0: You're listening to Binary. Hi, this is Simon. We're kicking off the show this week outside the Alexander Bar in Cape Town, which was one of the first establishments in the city to accept Bitcoin. So I'm about to go and get a beer and pay for it with the digital currency. All right, hi, can I have a Boston Lager half pint? Thanks.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Uh, no, can I pay using Bitcoin? Yeah. I'll talk to you.
1: Small Boston. Small yeah. Boston, yeah. How much do you wanna pay?
0: How much is it? Twenty eight Rand. Okay, so make it uh,
2: thirty-five? There you
0: go. My Thank you, so now I just scan the barcode enter the random amount, 35
3: random. Great it's done. it's
0: done Thank you very much
4: You're welcome
0: Can I go down there? Hi, Didn't work Didn't work? Mm. Is it usually quite oh, fast? Oh, it did work It did work, yeah <laughs> perfect thank you you're welcome success what i basically just did was turn mathematics into a refreshing malt beverage that isn't the first time i bought something with bitcoin though i got some printer cartridges uh i bought myself a standing desk for my office and more recently we paid for some of the hosting used for binary using bitcoin of course we also take donations for the show with bitcoin more about that later But I'm gonna go ahead and guess that if you're listening to the show, you've probably heard of Bitcoin and you probably have a pretty good idea of what it is. The more interesting question now is where's Bitcoin headed? And will it be the revolution in finance that so many people think it will be? So those are some of the things that we'll consider in this episode of Binary. We'll speak to somebody from the Bitcoin Foundation as well as an entrepreneur that's incorporated Bitcoin into what they do very successfully. But first, let's go back to the Alexander Bar where I've just got my beer. And Headed over to a table to have a discussion with Edward and Nick who are the owners of the bar They're also software engineers So I wanted to find out from them whether or not that had something to do with them accepting Bitcoin Or if it just made good business sense Turns out the real answer is a lot simpler than that
1: Uh, Companies that accept bitcoins are cool and I wanted to be cool as well Yeah, Yeah. and I like the idea of of Being able to transact without banks because I hate banks and actually actually
0: implementing it and accepting it at the bar, what does that
3: experience mean? It's not a lot of people using it, but when they do come in and they realize, sometimes it takes them a few visits and then they suddenly see it written on the blackboard in a sort of chalk, which is like very un-tech, yeah. um, then they, they get very excited. Yeah, so it's worth it just, you know, for those odd people. Because it was so, it was very easy to implement. Um, didn't take me long at all. Took me an an hour or two, and then um, yeah, and it's only going to grow. Yeah. You know? So
1: many people see the sign that says we accept Bitcoin here, and they go, "Oh, how cool!" Uh, but. They, don't, they, they might have no intention of paying with actually paying with Bitcoins, but right. the idea is there.
0: Nick and Edward also said that they had had travelers visiting the bar that had found it on websites that list businesses accepting Bitcoin. There's a backpackers around the corner from the bar, for example, and visitors to that are often looking for places nearby that accept Bitcoin. Turns out the currency is great for traveling. There's no foreign exchange fees when you buy things in other countries because Bitcoin is a truly global currency. But it's still early days, and Nick and Edward said that Bitcoin only accounts for a very small percentage of the sales at the Alexander Bar. However, they don't regret turning it on, and they think more businesses should start thinking about Bitcoin. It's
3: such a low barrier to entry that it's
0: sort
1: of s- silly not to do it. Yeah? And if, if we're doing it, then pe- people think, you know, if they see that time we exit Bitcoin here, yeah, as I said, they might have no intention of actually using it because they don't have any bitcoins or they don't have e wallet or whatever you, whatever you need. But the next time somebody offers them says, Hey, I will pay you in bitcoins, they'll think, Oh, I can spend those at the Alexander Bond <laughs> And not Drink just be like, what the hell am I gonna do with those?
3: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Okay. And are you You guys aren't keeping the Bitcoin, you're converting
3: it to no, fiat I, currency or RAND immediately. At first I was doing. I was converting it straight to RAND, but now I'm keeping it in Bitcoin. Okay. Because I was worried that it was going to be vast amounts of our monthly turnover, but it's not. So, so it's just a little bit that I, that we can just let pile up a little bit, you know. Okay. So if you so had, we, to, it, if you had
0: to guess it, at a yes. percentage of your sales right now, it would be infinitesimally small. Yes, it would be... Um, a beer... A A, a third of a percent. (laughs) (laughs) All right, but it's interesting. It's interesting that you decided to keep the Bitcoin instead of just converting it to Rand. Is that because you're bullish on it, uh, picking up in value and maybe being worth something one day,
1: or
2: it makes um, it more fun? Um, (laughs) I'm
1: hoping to spend them again. I mean, if you there is a cost to converting it all the time, Hmm. so it's not a big cost, but um, I I imagine that if yeah. But there might be something we want to buy, and then maybe we can use it to pay with with Bitcoins then. Yeah. Yeah. So, you've got to have some Bitcoins. And especially, I suppose, if you're
3: doing something international, you know, then, then the cost really becomes significant
0: yeah Yeah. if you're ever in cape town i highly recommend checking out the alexander bar it's a it's a really cool place they've got old school analog telephones on all of the tables that you can use to call other tables or the bar or dial into the music system and listen to what's playing it's a really unique place thanks to edward and nick for chatting to us One of the things that makes Bitcoin so interesting is that it really is money for the internet. And like the internet itself, it's not controlled from any central point. There isn't a company or an organization that you can point to and say, those guys are Bitcoin. But again, like the internet itself, there are some people and groups of people that are really important to keeping Bitcoin going so you've probably heard of bitcoin miners these are the people who not only find new bitcoin for us to use but they also process all of the transactions on the blockchain which is the name we give to the bitcoin network so the blockchain is the network and bitcoin are the units of value that we send around on the blockchain the blockchain is basically like a giant ledger a record of transactions that spread out on millions of computers across the planet And every time a transaction happens on the blockchain, miners that were involved in processing it are rewarded with a little bit of Bitcoin. And then there's the Bitcoin Foundation, a group of people that sort of look out for Bitcoin's best interests. This group includes some of the computer scientists that contributed to Bitcoin in its early days, along with other interested individuals who are nominated and voted for regularly. One of those individuals who was recently voted onto the Bitcoin Foundation board is Elizabeth Plochet, who agreed to chat to me on Skype for this episode. Hi, Simon. Elizabeth has a background in law and politics, and she got involved with Bitcoin through the Bitcoin magazine. She says where things really started getting interesting was in 2013, when the price hit $260 per Bitcoin.
4: And that was when a lot of things were going on on with Cyprus. Um, And so it was neat to see that, wow, this technology is very valuable it's a tool to empower people it's a way in which people can in essence um, take financial control and, and have financial freedom around
0: the world elizabeth also does work with bitpay which is a company that makes it easy for other companies and charitable organizations to accept bitcoin payments
4: um, bitpay hired me on to handle nonprofit, political and educational outreach so that means um, my role today includes getting non-profits like American Red Cross and Greenpeace and AmeriCare set up with Bitcoin donations, as well as um, political campaigns. Um, We recently signed on Rand Paul for president, um, so the first presidential candidate accepting donations in Bitcoin, and additionally universities.
0: So Elizabeth is a bit of a Bitcoin powerhouse, and now she's also involved with the Bitcoin Foundation, which she says has a very important role to fill.
4: Yeah, so the Bitcoin Foundation was created in September of 2012 to really in essence, fill in a lot of gaps. Um, it was the first trade association um, in the Bitcoin space, um, the first organized group really in the Bitcoin space. And um, the original founders came together and recognized a need for some sort of organization. Now, the beauty of Bitcoin is how decentralized it is and how peer-to-peer it is. But if you think about, um, you know, at times there is a need for some structure um, if there is, say, a government inquiry about Bitcoin. Also, one of the most important things is funding core development. So kind of the two main purposes, initially the foundation foundational three, education, obviously, um, funding core development. So really ensuring that the core developers of Bitcoin would have a salary to be able to keep the ecosystem running. Oftentimes, we take for granted that, oh, we can use Bitcoin as this open source technology, but there's technical development that's constantly underway with Bitcoin to ensure that the technology continues to work. So that would be Gavin Andreessen and his team. And then finally, you know, any policy inquiries. um, Certainly, at that time, starting in about 2012 and 2013, government was looking into Bitcoin and thinking, here in the U.S. and internationally, what is this technology? How can we utilize it? Is it secure? Is it safe? Um, and so the Bitcoin Foundation came about, and all of that, and has certainly evolved. Um, you know, the foundation has grown to be the largest industry group, Bitcoin industry group, with many. Um, you know, industry members, individual members, there's a whole forum associated with the foundation as well as, um, you know, different conferences and opportunities. Um, but I think one of the main reasons why we were created from the start was that focus on core development in a sense. Okay, well, we can't just take advantage of the technology, but we need to find a way to fund it, Um so, um, and then finally, you know, an educational resource, people coming to the foundation site, learning more about Bitcoin. Um, through time, the foundation has evolved and we hosted the first major Bitcoin conference back in um, San Jose, uh, California in 2013. That was my first Bitcoin conference. It was really neat to see a lot of people come together. And then um, last May, we had a conference in Amsterdam with many more attendees and at an even larger scale and to see all the industry members That have come up since then. Um, Now, the foundation is um, actually has spun off core development um, to be handled by the MIT Media Lab. There's a Bitcoin center now at MIT handling core development, which is again a really cool point of validation for Bitcoin to have one of the largest and most um, viable and well respected technological institutes, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, to be basically supervising core development and funding, helping fund core development. Um, The foundation just got a new executive director, Bruce Fenton, and our goal is to be an educational resource, um, to be able to um, learn from members what their desires and needs are. And um, finally, I think a place where people can come and connect, business leaders can come and connect. Um, There are a lot of issues that I think can still be addressed in the Bitcoin community, and the foundation is a great place for those. So whether it's... um, like dialoguing about how to use Bitcoin for good or um, being a place where international communities can come together. Final aspect of that, the Bitcoin Foundation does have an international affiliate program, so there are international affiliate chapters. Um, and our mantra for the foundation has always been, um, think global, act local. And you know, Bitcoin is this decentralized technology, but there are a lot of global implications, but then local implications as well.
0: Right. So, you know, it, one of the things that I find so amazing about this space is we talk about 2013 as if that was an eon ago. It was, it was just two years ago, and it, it's startling how quickly things have been happening. Now, you also mentioned Cyprus earlier, um, and, and that was an, an interesting microcosm to me. You know, just a quick overview, what happened in Cyprus and what does it tell us about where the world is going?
4: Yeah, well, basically, Cyprus was an indication that you as an individual really need to take control of your personal finances to never trust in one centralized institution. And the fact that we can never take for granted our economic rights and we can utilize technologies like Bitcoin to protect ourselves, um, you know, it's unfortunate to see what happened over there in terms of how the government was literally, in essence, you um, in rough terms, going into bank accounts and taking out funds from savings to pay off the national debt. And so with Bitcoin, um, the beauty of the currency is that you're able to control those funds on your own. Um, I think there are a lot of countries around the world where individuals are concerned. You know, it seems like financial things are out of control. Um, You can't control inflation. Government oftentimes spikes inflation or different world events um, kick off inflation. But you can hold on to something like Bitcoin that is deflationary in nature. Um, There's never going to be a problem of, you know, overmining Bitcoin, right? I mean, it's a sense that there's a fixed number 21 million coins that will ever enter into the ecosystem. Um, So there's that element as well. Um, You know, Cyprus was a wake-up call to people around the world of, uh, this is getting a little political here, but issues of excess government spending um, and how a government is structured financially. Um, And the neat thing is, though, as citizens in different countries, we have financial tools that we can... um, can have and take control of and utilize to protect ourselves um, from any incident, uh, whether it's war, whether it's government interference with our lives, or whether it's just simply, um, you know, drop in market price of uh, fiat currency.
0: The first time I heard about Bitcoin was in 2010, and I wrote a big cover story for FinWeek magazine on it in 2011. If I had bought $1,000 worth of Bitcoin back then and held on to it, it would have been worth over a million dollars by the end of 2013. There's real value to Bitcoin. And like anything with real value, that means you have to protect it. Elizabeth and I had a conversation about the best places to keep Bitcoin and some of the more interesting options available to people. Besides for the digital wallets you can have on your computer or your phone and the cloud wallets you could have with companies like Coinbase or Bitex or Circle, There are also brain wallets and paper wallets. A brain wallet is basically some words that you remember that will unlock the secure key to your transactions on the blockchain. A paper wallet takes your private and secure keys and puts them in printable form. So you can literally have a piece of paper that stores the keys to your bitcoin transactions and you can pop that in a safe or another secure place.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's something where it's almost like a savings account. Obviously the price does fluctuate a Bitcoin, but in terms of storage, you keep a paper wallet in a safe and you can have that as some sort of a a way to hold on to funds. Um, as well as holding on to an ounce of gold or silver um, to have those funds in the case of an emergency.
0: So there are risks involved with Bitcoin, but it's already a lot safer than other ways of dealing with money. Elizabeth mentioned, for example, that chargebacks and identity theft, things that are associated with credit cards, for example, those don't exist in the Bitcoin world. So both for consumers and for businesses, Bitcoin can be a lot safer than the way we've dealt with transactions before. The big thing is getting people to realize that, and Elizabeth acknowledges that the Bitcoin world still has a lot of work to do in terms of educating people and spreading the good news.
4: Yeah, I think the big thing, honestly, is just having individuals um, who use Bitcoin go to businesses that they like and getting them signed up, but um, what BitPay does, in essence, is enable businesses to accept payment in Bitcoin and have the ability to get a pay out in a fiat currency. They feel more comfortable than with the currency. They feel like they can utilize it. Um, so our interface is is pretty great for the Bitcoin user in essence. Um, it's very mainstream. We just recently adopted NFC um, capability in our uh, point of sale app. So that is similar to Apple Pay um, and a very quick and easy way for say point of sale transactions. E-commerce transactions are getting smoother, donations are getting smoother as well. Um, So, in terms of getting more businesses signed on with Bitcoin and nonprofits, um, the big thing is um, having easy ways for them to integrate, educating them, um, also ensuring them that, yes, you can accept payment or donations in Bitcoin, but you can get a payout in a fiat currency so you don't have to hold on to the volatility. In terms of consumers, people using Bitcoin, expanding the Bitcoin ecosystem, I mean, the big thing is education and then. Having more options for people to to buy Bitcoin, or sorry, sorry, uh, more options for people to spend their Bitcoin, right? Um, Also, get Bitcoin. Uh, One of the things, too, that BitPay does, which is pretty neat, is we have a payroll API. So, meaning that employees can pay, um, employers can pay their employees in Bitcoin um, and take out all the taxes. So, for myself at BitPay, we have the option of getting paid. 100% 100% or percentage in Bitcoin. That's a way to get Bitcoin in the hands of individuals to be able to use it. Um, last uh, company to highlight, which I think is really cool, is Gift G-Y-F-T. It's an electronic gift card company. They were one of our first largest merchants and they're accepting payment in Bitcoin. So a Bitcoin user can pretty much now get anything with Bitcoin. You can get a Target gift card, CVS gift card, you know, grocery store gift card, tons of different store gift cards with bitcoin so you can almost live on bitcoin i mean you can live on bitcoin um if you'd like to and so that that's kind of it's it's twofold getting more people intrigued by the benefits of the technology but then also looping in more businesses to utilize the currency
0: thanks to elizabeth plochet for chatting to us on binary And congratulations to her again on her appointment to the Bitcoin Foundation Board of Directors. I'm so glad that Elizabeth mentioned GIFT because one of the other people I called up for the show is Vinny Lingham, the CEO of GIFT. That's coming up in a moment. Right now, it's time to thank our first contributors to Binary. We launched the show two weeks ago and uh, it's been amazing seeing the reaction since then. So a big thank you to Karthik Poobol, Tom Merritt. Nicholas Haralambos, Richard Mulholland, Kenny Ings, and Mike Stopforth, who were the first people to contribute to our Patreon. Patreon's a website that makes it easy for you to contribute to creative work, and we've decided to use it as a way to fund Binary, but to also keep the show ad-free. I feel like advertising is ruining a lot of the podcasts that I love listening to, and our plan is to keep advertising as far away from Binary as possible, for as long as possible. And so far, on our second episode, we've succeeded. We'd like to keep it that way though, so if you'd like to get involved in the show, check out our website, Binary.fm, click on support the show, and you'll find ways to send us money. And yes, we do accept Bitcoin otherwise just go straight to patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot you can search for binary or for my name simon dingle and with uh, a couple of clicks you can send us a dollar or 10 or 50 or more every month we even have limited edition binary eniac t-shirts that we're giving away to the first people who contribute ten dollars or more to the show so visit the page and find out how you can get one of those awesome t-shirts Hey, and thanks for listening, because just doing that is a great way of supporting Binary as well. If you haven't subscribed, though, check out iTunes or any other good podcast directory. Or again, just visit our website at binary.fm. Subscribe to the show, and you'll just automatically get every new episode as we roll them out. So before that, we were discussing GIFT, the company that takes plastic gift cards and turns them into digital vouchers that you can use to shop online or in real stores all over the USA. I called up Vinny Lingham, who's the CEO of the company and also one of the most knowledgeable people I've met in the Bitcoin world.
2: Uh, the goal is to you know, help convert the plastic gift card market into a digital gift card market. Just so you know, the plastic gift card market is about $150 billion a year in the US, and we are still, you know, in single digits towards digital. So there's a huge growth curve ahead of us as we move from a uh, plastic market to digital market. And, and GIFT is really about creating that infrastructure and the wallet platform around gift cards.
0: So gift cards started out being purely for GIFTS, as the name would suggest. But as Vinny explains, they become a lot more than that over time.
2: When we were launching GIFT, we, we, we started looking at, um, you know, what are the use cases for gift cards. And uh, one of them was actually being able to convert alternative currencies into something more usable at a store. So when you think about it, when you walk into a, a store to buy something, you know, th- there's two there's two ways of paying. One is obviously cash, and the other is some alternative method. And the alternative methods are things like Visa, MasterCard, Amex, uh, PayPal, etc. And there's a, a plethora, really, of, of things out there that you could use to make payments, and you know, if you got money sitting in a PayPal account, or you got some money sitting in Bitcoin, you have money sitting in an, a, a payment method that that retailer doesn't accept. Um, you know, in theory, you, you can't really, you know, there's no liquidity. You can't really cash that money into the store, make a purchase, and and you lose out, and the retailer loses out. Yeah, you know, if if you if you're gonna walk out of the store because you can't pay using your method, and the way we look at it as well, the retailers have their own store issued currencies uh merchant credits etc gift cards is a the way that they store it and if we give uh, people the choice so you could you know walk into a store and people do this today walk into any store and you could use paypal to buy a gift card for that store and pay using the gift card we've effectively facilitated a transaction now whether you use paypal or bitcoin or any other method we don't really care as long as we can secure where the funds are coming from and we can deliver you instantly a, a card that gives you credit for the value you're purchasing, uh, we can fulfill that uh, and close that loop. So we, you know, when we looked at the alternative payment method, people think of gift cards really as being something that you give to somebody, um, you know, present, etc. You know, happy birthday, Merry Christmas, whatever. Uh, it's not just that, obviously that's, it's nice for gifting, but it's also a alternative method of paying.
0: So in a way, you're providing a bridge between Bitcoin and uh, real-world merchants that don't accept the currency yet, um, which is probably a great service to early adopters of Bitcoin.
2: That's exactly right. So when we launched with Bitcoin over two years ago, we basically opened up the ability for Bitcoin users to spend Bitcoin at 55,000 stores in the U.S. I think we're over 100,000 right now, where you can physically walk into the store pay using bitcoin uh to purchase a gift card and and then you know use that at your checkout within the store and so we you know we've become the largest seller of bitcoin well the largest acceptor of bitcoins in the world right now for consumers
0: right so a store like amazon online as well they don't accept bitcoin but i could go to gift and i could get amazon gift cards that i buy with bitcoin and then i can go and spend that um credit on amazon
2: yes you could so, so
0: Vinny, how much of this was planned um, and how much of it was you being enthusiastic about Bitcoin and just wanting to give it a go and let's see what happens?
2: None of this was planned. In a startup, the only plan you can make is the, the, you know, the, the plan to, to stick it out. Like, uh, that's all you can do in a startup. You, you've got a plan, look, like, I'm going to give it two years or one year or three years or whatever it is, and that's my plan. Everything else changes.
0: Finney says that Bitcoin only accounts for a small percentage of gifts transactions at the moment. He also says that the currency is in a bit of a lull because the price has gone down quite a bit over the last few months. And that's caused people to lose interest. He believes that Bitcoin's in for something like the dot-com crash that happened in the internet industry.
2: People who thought there was something and were willing to try it out now believe there's nothing and they kind of moved on. And the only people really focusing on Bitcoin... Are what you call the, the true believers, people believe that the Bitcoin protocol and technology will, it will lead to a, a whole slew of new businesses and new um, ideas and new platforms. And so the consumers have largely just stepped away from Bitcoin as something which they can use because if the price is volatile, consumers are just scared of using it. And so I think we're, I think we're probably five to seven years away from it being a consumer technology. But I think between now and then, there's a lot of interesting companies that can be built on Bitcoin as a platform. Um,
0: you know, while the price of Bitcoin has been low lately, uh, it seems the volatility is starting to clear up. The price has been low, but it's been fairly consistent over the last uh, few months.
2: Yeah, that's largely due to the um, uh, the miners and the costs, right? So you're in a zone right now where um, where the cost of mining a Bitcoin is, you know, call it... Uh, uh, Around $200 for the average miner. Obviously, some get it cheaper, um, but 200 bucks. And, and, and when the price gets to 300 what miners do is they go out there and they, they actually borrow coins from, like, the Bitcoin banks, and they, they, they effectively short sell. So there's a, there's a cap. The moment it gets too high, the miners go and forward sell their coins, and then they mine the coins back over a couple of months and pay back the Bitcoin bank. So it's actually become a very efficient market at the current a, at the current sort of levels, but it's not going to last because as we've seen, we've seen these periods of stability before at 500, at 600, at different price points. And then, and then there's a step function that occurs upwards or downwards and, and the volatility kicks in again. So it's, it's, it's going be, to be short-lived to an extent. I do think, by the way, I do think the current 200 to 300 range is going to be there for the next 12 to 18 months uh but there may be some breakouts but i think it's going to keep settling around this number
0: vinny also has a lot of interesting things to say about where the price of bitcoin comes from and where it's going to as well as some interesting things on the horizon like halving day which is coming in a few months and basically that'll be a time at which the amount of reward given to bitcoin miners will half and that'll push the price up or so vinny thinks But for those of you who really care about the more technical questions around the price of Bitcoin, we'll post a link to Vinny's blog post on the topic, which you'll be able to find at binary.fm. Suffice to say that the price of Bitcoin and it going up and down is not one of the things that makes it attractive to gift. Vinny says there are other advantages to using the currency.
2: Yeah, I think the biggest benefit of Bitcoin right now as a currency, if you're using it as such, is that there's no risk of fraud, there's no risk of chargebacks, there's there's no fee associated with the transaction. So what we do at GIFT is we basically give 3% back on all gift card purchases using Bitcoin because we're saving 3%. So let's pass our savings on to the customers for using a payment method, which is safer, cheaper. Sure, there's some risk and volatility, but I think we can get past that the other benefits
0: you're obviously sitting on a lot of bitcoin right now as as gift as a company how big a risk is that for you or are you are you pretty much converting the bitcoin immediately
2: so that's a, concept, a misconception i think you know we, we obviously uh, were acquired a few months ago nine months ago at, at times we we did hold a lot of bitcoin but uh since we were acquired we've actually had the policy change where we, we actually cash out the bitcoins uh as we receive them so we don't hold them anymore uh, and personally I don't actually hold I hold a very small amount of Bitcoins I've made inv- a lot of investments in Bitcoin companies because I felt that there was a better uh, use of my of my uh, you know exposure to Bitcoin investing companies that are going to change the blockchain the block, uh, chain sort of ecosystem uh, I, I did hold a lot of Bitcoin at one stage uh, you know which I purchased but um, you know I, I took the position that I don't think it's going to move for a while and I don't hold any Bitcoin right now I think I hold probably less than Less than about ten bitcoins in total, so not a lot. Um, it's not that I'm not Bitcoin in the future of it. I just think that where we are right now, it's not that it's not a, a it's not a commodity that's going to go up ten x in the next year. Uh, I, I don't see it going up that much in the next twelve months. <clears throat> I don't see it giving the returns I sort of want uh, from uh, an asset class like Bitcoin, which is highly volatile. However, I do think it'll be at five thousand dollars in the next couple of years, so I may get in. I may get back into Bitcoin at some point later this year. Uh, but personally I'm just it's not I don't think it's gonna go anywhere right now.
0: Thanks to Vinny for chatting to us on binary checkout gift that's G Y F T. Now in producing this show, we realize there really is a lot to talk about when it comes to Bitcoin. For example, some of the amazing things being built on top of the blockchain that aren't currency or a way of moving money around. Like for example, Assembly, which is changing the way we think about company equity and the way we work in groups. Or a band called 22 Hertz that's writing their music's copyright into the blockchain. Those are just some of the interesting things people are doing with the technology. And so we've decided to break this out into a two-part series. This is the first part, of course. And in the next, we'll start looking at some of those interesting applications of the blockchain that don't have to do with money. So I hope you'll listen to that episode as well. Once again, please check out our website, Binary.fm. Thanks again to our contributors who make the show possible without any advertising needed. Yay! And also thanks to GMZ and Ben Sound whose music you heard in this episode. You can find links to the artist's pages on our website. We'll be back soon with part two of our series on Bitcoin. My name's Simon Dingle. This has been Binary.